player. Supernatural. Is Confessions. All right, welcome to another episode of Supernatural Confessions. Once again, this is Tim O, joined by Eugene Tay. How are you doing today, Eugene? I'm doing very good. Seven months has just started, so let's better be careful. Uh, this is actually the third day of August of the seventh month that we're actually recording this. Uh, we're also recording this podcast in the day, and you'll find out <laughs> why we're doing that in just a little bit. But first up, we're very excited to give you some news about where our podcasts are now available. So for those of you who have just started joining us on this podcast and you're thinking, hey, this is something new, actually, we are on episode 12 today. So if you want to check out the rest of our previous episodes, you can go to our our website www.supernaturalconfessions.com we are available on apple google and six other channels out there including spotify if you do enjoy what you hear please spread the word tell your friends if whatever podcast app you're uh, tuning in to us on allows you to rate podcasts we hope you give us stars or ticks and this of course will help us not just generate a wider audience but also gives us the opportunity to source for more stories from our listeners as well, and this way we get to share it with everybody right here on Supernatural Confessions. So today we are going to be talking about the Hungry Ghost Festival, but before we get into that, I just want to follow up on our last episode, okay, where we were talking about the haunted roads in Singapore, Eugene? Yeah, I remember that one. I remember you were talking about Old Tampanese Road and how it's very, very notorious for having a lot of spiritual activity, right? And it's so close to my house as well. Robin actually texted us and he had a story to submit to us as well. He said, my friend was driving home after a family gathering around that area and his wife was driving another car following behind him along the road. Now, because he was unsure on where to turn later on, he wound down the window and signaled for his wife to move up. Now, when his wife's car pulled alongside him, she looked shocked, right? And she just told him, petrol kiosk, petrol kiosk. And then she just sped off in front of him. Now, he thought it was very weird, so he followed her to the petrol station. And when they got there, his wife made a beeline into the mini-mart, and she signaled for him to come over. Now, as he was walking over, he could see that his wife, she wasn't just looking at him. She was looking behind him. He looked back, and there was nothing there. Once he got into the mini-mart, his wife burst out, You never see or feel anything inside your car. Just now, when you asked me to drive up alongside you, I saw a woman sitting beside you. And that's why I asked you to come here and speed up. But now she's not in the car anymore. So obviously, they were both very, very creeped out. They stayed in the mini-mart for a while until they were sure that there was nothing in their car. And then they drove as fast as possible after that. Now, Robin, who submitted the story, actually made a reference to the story you shared about the lady in white that has been seen freaking out taxi drivers along uh, Old Tampanese Road. And he wants to know, could this lady be the same lady? Maybe it might be. Or maybe it just means that Old Tampanese Road, all these ghosts have really no manners, like jumping to people's car as and when they like. Now, before we move on, I do have a comment that I want to make about Old Tampanese Road. There is a, a funeral home there. And I've actually been to that funeral home a couple of times over the last year. I have to say, Eugene, I didn't feel creeped out at all at the funeral home. Like, I would stand on the road and I'd have a cigarette and 
it's really, really dark. It's late at night. But no, it was just a, a feeling of calm. So I'm actually very surprised to hear so many of these type of stories coming from Old Tampanese Road. That's because you are at the start of Old Tampanese Road, where all the temples are. And that's a very peaceful place. But where you want to feel really crypt out is if you start going down further down the road towards the airfield, where there's just nothing but trees and even the street lamps don't seem to cast any light on the streets yeah so that's wow. the part where it's really freaky all right well once again thank you very much robin for your story and if anybody else has anything to share about old Japanese road we would love to hear from you please once again reach out to us on our facebook page just look for supernatural confessions all right so it has begun just a few days ago the start of the hungry ghost festival and i gotta say eugene this is one of those cases where um, there are a lot of traditions there are a lot of customs that are associated with this particular festival we respect the customs we go along with them but very few of us actually know why we do the things we do during the seventh month. It's a very interesting phenomenon, the seventh month. Although it's just a Taoist festival, but yet some of the beliefs and the practices and the taboo really affects the rest of us Singaporeans. And most of us get our information from our grandparents. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we just bring it down throughout all these years and we don't really question them. Uh, do you know any of the original stories of the seventh month? Not at all. The only thing I've heard about the seventh month is that during this period, this one month of the year, the gates of the underworld are opened and spirits on the other side are allowed to cross over to our realm to be reunited with their, with their family members here. The law of seventh month is that, yeah, the gates of hell is always open. People can go in and out. But seventh month especially, it's almost like a special month for the ghost to really rope free. Somewhat like... All Hell's Eve uh, or some of the similar festivals around the world where there's a particular month where the ghosts are free to roam amongst the living. So that is the, the premise of the seventh month story, the hungry ghost story. So these ghosts uh, have been denied food for the rest of the year and they come out now and they are hungry. But what's also interesting is the human factor of this whole festival. People started burning hell notes uh, with the belief that if they actually give hell money to the spirits, uh, the spirits will bless them with good fortune for their business. Uh, and also the, you, you realise that there's a lot of burning. One of the things that is very apparent in seventh month is a lot of burning. Burning of joss offering, burning of material possessions in paper form like a Mercedes or a handphone or an a yeah. <laughs> yeah, material goods. What I've been told is that if you burn these objects, right, these replicas of uh, very, very expensive or luxurious goods, uh, what happens is once they burn away, then they magically appear in the afterlife on the other side as actual luxury goods, which can be enjoyed by our ancestors. We are to believe that somewhere in the hell, our ancestors or the spirits are walking around with an LV bag and a Rolex watch. I guess that's that's the general belief, yeah. What I look at and I understand about this whole burning of uh, worldly possessions for the dead, according to a Nalanda Buddhist society in Malaysia, this practice started back in the kampung days where people are less educated. So you don't really give out brochures or educate people by written word. So you actually have to show them in form of symbolism that when a person dies... They cannot bring any of these items to the other side. So you burn these items as a metaphor that worldly items don't get transferred to 
the other world. However, over time, the whole practice start to evolve. The whole thing has flipped upside down and has evolved to represent just quite the opposite. So now people think that if you spend more money burning items for the dead, you'll make them wealthier in the underworld. Well, I, I suppose there's also a, a psychological reason to doing this as well. It, it can be a way of how we cope with the loss of our loved ones. You know, we don't know what happens on the other side. We don't know what's going on, what they're doing. But part of us thinks that if there is a little chance, they may be there and they could have a better life on that side. If I burn just a couple of items, no skin off my nose, and I'll feel better doing that. It's like how we donate, like, a dollar coin to the uh, donation box, you know, at, at, at some Saturdays when school kids will go around with a tin can and say that, you know, your donations will help a hungry kid somewhere halfway around the world. And by dropping a $1 coin, you just feel good about yourself. Exactly. There's also another story here that might shed some light on the origin. So there is no basis of where this story came from. It's all just passed up by word of mouth. It's by one venerable Dao Dun from High In Temple. He believes that there isn't any spiritual significance to this act of burning. And it was, in fact, a folklore passed down from generations. He cited a story about how a man in China plotted with his wife to burn paper over his grave where he would miraculously rise up again in seven days. The village folks started to believe that burning paper would help bring the dead back to life. And guess the trade he was in? He was a paper manufacturer. <laughs> so it's all a marketing gimmick. All right, so in just a little bit, Eugene's going to run through some of the do-nots, okay? Stuff you should not do during the seventh month. But before we uh, start on that, let's give you a seven-month story, okay? So this was actually submitted by a lady. And back in 2011, she says she was just a mere lower secondary school girl. Now, it was just a typical Sunday of the Hungry Ghost Festival. And like most kids, she used to attend tuition to brush up on her studies. Now, because she was running late, she was rushing. So instead of using the pavement, she dashed across the grass patches that led directly to the tuition center. And because she was rushing, she didn't notice the burnt incense paper on the grass patch. Um, and to make it worse, she jumped over the candles. Apparently, you're not supposed to jump over the candles. I didn't know that. I always thought you were just supposed to walk around. But uh, this girl jumped over the candles and accidentally kicked one of them. So the flame went out and one of the incense papers stuck to her slippers. Now, she apologized a few times and she went off. But for the next few days, weird things started happening. She started seeing figures in school on the way home and everywhere she went. She could always feel a presence around her. Now, she even started acting strange. This affected her personality. She started breaking down for no apparent reason, shouting at people and even laughed when she saw offerings on the road. And then she fell sick with a very high fever. Now, her dad took this very seriously and made her burn offerings at the exact same place where the incident happened. And after a day or two, she recovered. So she wants to remind everyone that if you see any offerings, don't step on them. Don't even jump over them. Just make an effort to walk around them. Take another path unless you're looking for trouble. I have a similar story to that one. This involved a... Uh middle-aged woman who's coming back from work. She was texting on her phone, walking down the corridor as usual, and she accidentally stepped on some burnt offerings. So when she realized that, she said, oh, I'm sorry, please excuse me. But that night, her legs started to swell up twice its size. She went to the doctors, tried to get it checked, took painkillers, but nothing worked. So eventually she went to a spiritual practitioner, and the minute she walked into the room, the man said, 
there is a ghost residing in your leg. The spirit was offended, you have disturbed him, and now he, he wants to follow you and is living in your leg. So the lady said, please help me clear this. And he said, okay. He burned some talisman, he waved it around her leg, got her to drink the water, bathe with flower water. And miraculously, the next day, the swell started going down. Wow. Doctors couldn't solve it, but yet the spiritual practitioner with just talisman and flower water can mm. ease the swell for her. All right. Well, we've got more of these stories to share with you, things that have apparently happened during the Hungry Ghost Festival, the seventh month. But first, let's get into uh, the survival guide, okay? Things you should not do during the uh, seventh month. The first is, don't stick your chopsticks in rice. Why? Ah, this is something when you do it at home, your Chinese grandmother will sure scold you. Because when you're offering food to ghosts and spirits, you would have like a bowl of rice or cake and you'll stick, joystick into this food item. So if you put your right. chopsticks into your bowl of rice at home, it's like you're yeah. praying to the spirit and offering food to the spirit. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, the second thing that you should not do is open umbrellas indoors uh, after using them at night. And I was a little confused with this, Eugene, because I always thought this was a Western thing, you know, don't walk under ladders, avoid black cats, and, and don't open an umbrella inside the house. Okay, so Chinese customs, when someone dies, you would carry the umbrella and guide the body or the remains or the ashes from the house to the car or from the car to the niche. So when spirits see an umbrella and you're walking with an umbrella at night, especially when you're walking into your home, basically attracts the spirits to follow you. Okay, so once again, no opening umbrellas indoors. Uh, don't leave your front door open all night. Well, this one is a, a bit of a no-brainer. You really don't want to have wandering spirits coming to your house when you leave the door open. Mm. And also the belief is when you leave your door open for Chinese New Year, mm. you're supposed to welcome good energy mm. in. So when you do the same for seven months, yeah. you are attracting negative energy to come in. Uh, never kill rare insects that appear in your home. <laughs> Chinese belief, again, where you see a insect, a giant moth especially at home, uh, this could be your ancestors visiting you. So mm. if you see a giant moth in seven months, it just means that that is a spirit. So if you try to kill the spirit or harm it in any other way, it might get angry and send bad curses onto the family. So generally just try to avoid killing insects in seven months. Does this tie into the concept of uh, reincarnation? That when people pass on, sometimes they come back, depending on what kind of life they led, they come back as a different creature? Or is this something that is only tied into spirits during the seventh month? If your ancestor reincarnated back to an insect, which probably means that they have a going to have a very tough life or they had a lot of scenes in the previous life. So you, most people would not reincarnate as an insect. Uh, but mm. how spirits try to make themselves known is to come in the form of insect so you can actually identify them. Ah, okay, okay. Now, here's a question though. Cockroaches are insects too, bro. What does that mean? If I see a roach uh, during seven months, I shouldn't kill it. Oh I shouldn't chase it away. God. That could be one of my ancestors, my relatives <laughs> coming back to visit. I don't care who it is. It could be my favorite uncle. I'm running out of the room if there's a cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's one that I've actually never heard before. It says, no peeing on trees. Now, I, when we were in the army, obviously, we were told if you need to go and, and take a pee, uh, just apologize in advance. But we were never told specifically, don't pee on trees. Trees are where the spirits may find home. So 
when you pee on the trees as good as peeing on your home and you're offending them. But even back in the army days, uh, we were just told to pee and just say, excuse me, I'm sorry. In fact, on the seventh month time, you should just be doing that as well. But generally, don't pee on trees. Lah. All right. Try to avoid swimming at night during the seventh month. Uh, this kind of reminds me of, um, of a story that you shared in one of your earlier podcasts about uh, when you were very young, you went swimming and you felt uh, someone reach up and actually try and pull you down. Now, th- this actually occurred during seventh month. Yeah, this was uh, episode eight of our podcast. And yes, it, did, it happened during the seventh month period. Uh, and it happened in the day. Just don't don't even need to be at night, right? I was swimming in the in the sea, and I felt something grab my leg, trying to pull me in. Uh, when I when I managed to escape and run free, uh, there were bruises on my thigh, and I couldn't explain it. Uh, I was sick for a few days after that. But the rumors or the superstitions about not swimming in the sea during seven months to me, at least, is very real. So even till today, in a seven month period, you would not find me swimming anywhere, not even in a shallow pool. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. And the next one we're going to cover involves Kertai shows. Now, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, Kertai shows are basically almost like Chinese operas. At least they started off as operas. Over the years, they've become like full-on concerts, right? And these shows are put on for our deceased relatives? Not really deceased relatives, but the idea of the Kertai is to perform for the wandering spirits. Uh, in dialect, they call it the Hiati, the brothers, the good brothers, right? So... Consider the spirit good brothers. And this may not be your relative. This could be just any wandering spirit. And you put up a show for them. Uh, usually you'll say, this is for you. Please bless us with good luck. And you will realize as you're walking past some of these curtains, some of them are really empty. And they're still performing. Uh, and that's perfectly okay. But just if you want to join them and watch them, do not sit on the front row. Those seats are meant for spirits. In fact, there's also a rumor that in the cinema, the old days, the front row, they don't sell tickets for that. Oh, wow. Okay, what happens if you sit there? You're offended the spirit because that's a spot where the spirit is and they might just follow you home or, well, curse you with bad luck. All right, well, we'll run through more of these uh, do-not-dos during the seventh month in our next episode, okay? We still have quite a few to get through. And we also have uh, some tips from Gertai performers themselves, all right? A few warnings from them. Uh, Let's share another story with you in the meantime. Uh, This is a bit of a creepy one, okay? (laughs) There was a boy... And he was in primary four or primary five. And every year during the seven-month period, uh, they would have a Kirtai opera. Now, along with the neighborhood kids, they would go down and they would play below the block. And one day, they decided to play hide-and-seek or catching, right? So he decided to head to the back alley of the block, which was actually very dark, so he could hide from his friends. Now, after a while, when the game was over, he went home. Now, he went to bed straight away, but... You know, somehow in the middle of his sleep, he woke up and he looked up, right? And he saw his dad sitting at the computer table next to the computer. But here's the weird part. The computer was off. So he thought it was a bit weird, but he put his head back down and he closed his eyes. And then he decided to open his eyes and look again. This time it wasn't his father sitting at the table. It was a woman with long hair. And he knew it couldn't be his mom 
because his mom's hair wasn't that long. Now, the next morning when he woke up, he quickly went to tell his dad, right, um, about this whole thing. And the dad said, no, it, it couldn't have been me. I wasn't at your computer table. I only just got home. So they decided to go to a nearby temple. And it was there where the family was told that he had offended a spirit and he had to apologize. Turns out that he had accidentally stepped on something, probably while playing with his friends during the hide and seek, and that caused the spirit to be angry with him. Wow, I can believe that story actually. Uh, and obviously a lot of these stories, the, the one common thing that comes out is that offending the spirit and there was some form of stepping on an offering. That seems to be the most common occurrence. Just avoid stepping on offerings, avoid any of those burnt items and just generally be careful. If you happen to step on anything, apologize. We've also learned you're not just supposed to jump over them. You're supposed to walk around them. Otherwise, you're just courting trouble. A question here. What is the deal with the, the burning of offerings? How long are you supposed to burn them for? And when can you actually clear them? Because obviously, during seven months, a lot of people uh, burn their offerings. But, you know, the next day, they're not there anymore. So how long are you supposed to, to put it out for? It's not that long at all. In fact, after the entire incense have burned down, that's usually when the spirit has finished their meal and the offering is done. Uh, of course, you don't collect back all this offering and bring it home and eat. You just throw it away. But what happens is most people don't wait till the entire incense have burned down. They do their prayer, they burn their paper, they light the, the joystick, and they just leave it there overnight. But actually, you don't even have to be that long. Okay, because I, I did come across another warning. This is from a, a, a Kurtai performer who says, if you're going to be making an offering, especially food items, don't eat it after you're done. Once you've offered it up, you've offered it up. By eating it and consuming it after that, it's actually very disrespectful. Spirits might see this as you taunting them. I've heard something else. I've heard that if you try to eat the offered food and you compare it with the normal food, you'll find that offered food is actually tasteless. Yeah, so I'm not sure who was the bright one who tried that out, but... We're not going to be trying it out, but if you ever decide that you want to do that, feel free to tell us exactly what happened right here in Supernatural Confessions, okay? All right, so uh, this is actually going to be a pretty lengthy topic. So we're actually going to split this into a, a couple of episodes. We've covered quite a few stories associated with the uh, seventh month, along with some of the things you're not supposed to do. There are more things to avoid in our next episode, so stay tuned to Supernatural Confessions. And once again, if you should have any stories at all to share, we'd love for you to reach out to us as well. Check us out on www.supernaturalconfessions.com. There you'll find a link to our YouTube channel, Instagram, podcasts, and all the other form of stories. And uh, well, drop us an email. Let us know your stories and how you want to get in touch with us. We'd be very happy to hear from you. Share this with all your friends and uh, you know, get everyone safe for the seven months. A bit of a teaser of what we're going to cover in the next episode as well, right? I'm sure you've heard uh, this is not exactly the most auspicious month to get married. Or moving to a house. Well, I'm going to tell you about a very interesting wedding which took place and it was reported in the newspaper in Malaysia during the seventh month. All that coming up in our next episode. Until then... My name is Eugene Tay. And I'm Timo. And this is Supernatural Confessions. Supernatural Confessions.